Broadcasting live from the Raiders practice facility at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. This is the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Presented by Tequila Embajador. Yeah, and you know what, I think this facility is, uh, you know, you give Mark Davis, the Raiders, a credit. This is, this is a facility we have not had. And being in Las Vegas, it's encouraging players. Not that Oakland wasn't a, a place people wanted to live, but the tax situation is different. We've attracted more players to uh, to our off-season program. And Ray, A.J. Nibel, I wouldn't trade him for anybody. I mean, he, he and his staff, they do a great job. They service um, quarterbacks a lot differently than kickers and kickers differently than guards. But to your point, if you don't see unbelievable gains in Foster Moreau and John Simpson, uh, some of these guys, uh, you haven't been studying them. They're, they're really stronger, they're more athletic, and they're, they're more durable, and they can finish. They've got better stamina. That was Raiders head coach John Gruden uh, speaking today to the media from uh, headquarters after day six of uh, training camp. Um, Thought we were going to also uh, hear from John talking about what that means in terms of culture and what that means in terms of where he believes this team is as it relates to a foundation, as it relates to culture. Because John Gruden flat out said it's as good a culture as he has seen in a long time, if ever, in his coaching career. And he's been a part of some pretty good uh, teams with some pretty good veteran leadership. Um, He spoke today, John Gruden did, about the leadership of this team. And it's something that I've been recognizing since OTAs. Uh, Going back a couple of months ago uh, when the Raiders got after it uh, during OTAs and minicamp, you could just sense a different vibe. You can sense a different urgency. You can sense a different intensity. Uh, there are additions, obviously, that the Raiders have made. By the way, you're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. It is a Tuesday. My days are starting to get a little bit messed up because of training camp, and you know, all of a sudden they'll throw a day off at you, and you, you get a little bit discombobulated. So if I miss uh, or represent what day it actually is today, just roll with it. Uh, it is a Tuesday, uh, I think. Uh, but anyway, uh, day six of training camp, uh, they were in pads today, not full pads. Uh, they didn't have the uh, the pants and uh, the thigh pads and all that kind of stuff, but it was helmet and shells. Uh, so the intensity and physicality definitely uh, got jacked up a little bit, especially on the offensive line. I was uh, keying in on that. Uh, saw young Alex Leatherwood maul a couple of people and just kind of wall off a couple of people. That dude gets off. He fires off the line of scrimmage. Uh, he's moving with the ball almost. That's how fast he moves. Uh, it's a sight to behold when a guy that big uh, gets it moving uh, as quickly as he does and then gets on somebody and makes sure that he stays uh, on that on that uh, blocking assignment. Uh, also, some really good one-on-one um, you know, battles between some uh, emerging young wide receivers against some talented young cornerbacks. Uh, Henry Ruggs had a really strong day, went up and got one uh, 50-plus yards on a pass from Derek Carr over Trayvon Mullen. Trayvon Mullen had good coverage. Can't take anything away from the coverage that he had. Uh, but Henry Ruggs made a tremendous play on the ball, went up and got it, uh, showed that confidence uh, that's growing in him, uh, playing a little bit more assertively. 
Um, yeah, let's let's take a, a, a listen to that uh, to to what John was talking about in terms of the culture because I really think it's important. Here's John Gruden. Same message as last year and every year. You know, you got to go all out. You know, I'm not going to get too deep and philosophical after first day of pads, but uh, you know, we all got to be on the same page. You know, we've got a great group of guys. The energy level is extreme, and um, we've got good veteran leadership on this team. I like the culture here better than any of the teams I've had in a long time or been a part of. That's John Gruden uh, talking about the culture, the improved uh, culture. I've been writing about it quite a bit uh, during training camp, and I talked about it specifically today in a story that I wrote. You could read it over at uh, Las Vegas Review Journal. You could download the app Vegas Nation uh, or just go on the computer, VegasNation.com. I cover the Raiders uh, for the Las Vegas Review Journal in addition uh, to hosting the radio show here. But it's it's important, um, and it kind of goes back – a couple of years, and specifically what I wrote about today, and I really think that this is starting to take hold here with the Raiders. In terms of uh, that culture that we're talking about, that leadership that we're talking about, um, who is setting the standard? Listen, for as long as Derek Carr stays here in Las Vegas, he will be the face of the Raiders. There's no question about it. It's usually that ha- that's the way that works. Uh, your quarterback uh, is the face of the franchise. Derek Carr is undisputedly the face of the Raiders franchise. But there's also a heart and soul uh, and a heartbeat on teams. And often that's kind of a cumulative uh, type of a a deal. And you go back to the 2019 draft class, uh, Trayvon Mullen, Clee Farrell, Jonathan Abram, Josh Jacobs, Foster Moreau, uh, uh, Max Crosby, the undrafted free agents, Alec Ingold. Uh, You could throw Andre James in there now. A.J. Cole, uh, the punter. Uh, a good part of this Raiders team comes from that 2019 draft and undrafted free agent class. And I know in speaking to uh, some of those players, uh, getting to know some of those players, how serious they took that class and their responsibility to getting this thing straightened out. You think about guys like Cleve Farrell and Trayvon Mullen and Hunter Renfro, failed to mention him, uh, uh, Josh Jacobs, you're talking about Alabama, the standard bearer of college football right now. You're talking about three Clemson players. They were coming off a national championship season. Alec Ingold at Wisconsin, they won 42 games in his four years uh, at, at, Alabama, at, uh, excuse me, at, at Wisconsin. These guys were winners, okay, in their college career. They've seen it up close personal. They know what it takes to win. They know what you don't, what the things you have to avoid. I know, Vinny, it was college. I don't care what level we're talking about. The same principles, the same ingredients, the same dynamics that go into building successful programs at whatever level we're talking about apply whatever level we're talking about. And as a group, that 2019 draft class, which came from the most premier programs in the country, coming off championship seasons and playoff seasons and huge success, Big Ten championships, they got together. And I asked Josh Jacobs about this on Saturday. Uh, and I knew about it because uh, I had, I had done, spent some time with Alec Ingold last offseason, the 2020 offseason, and he was telling me about a group chat, text chat, that 
that group has, that 2019 class that really bonded uh, immediately. And the message immediately when they started getting together and meeting each other and, and you know, uh, checking out each other's backgrounds and talking to each other uh, and getting a feel for each other. Immediately after that, group chat started, text chat started. And what was the first thing that they were talking about? This is going to be the group right here. This 2019 group, all of us are going to eventually be responsible for building the foundation that changes the culture, that gets this thing back on the right track. They pledged that to each other. They pushed each other in that direction. They challenged each other. Alec Engel would tell me, like, you know, it would be one of those things where, hey, oh, by the way, just finished my lift. What are you doing right now? It's 6 a.m. in the morning. It's minus 10 degrees in Wisconsin. I just finished an hour and a half workout. It's snowing, raining, freezing rain. I got my butt up, went to the gym this morning in March. What are you doing? Oh, I got you. This is what I did today. Good. Keep on it. Let's, let's, let's keep this momentum moving forward. And they challenged each other and pushed each other and motivated each other and mandated among each other this is going to be on us. We're going to be the group that's responsible for getting that foundation laid to restore order here with the Raiders. Ambitious, yes. Was it? But they believed in it, and that's the thing. I, they believed in it. I, I know that from talking to them that there was an earnest. It wasn't an ego-driven thing. It was, look, we're, we come from winning programs. We ain't coming to the NFL to lose. We know that this franchise has been in a dark place for most of the last X amount of years. We don't care. This is the new starting point right here. And we are going to be responsible for getting this thing changed. As Josh Jacobs talked about on Saturday when I asked him about it, he, and this is why, what makes this group to me so special. There was a recognition, recognition, an appreciation for the fact that we're still just rookies here. We can't just come in here forcing our way, bogarting our way, demanding to be recognized as leaders or demanding this, that, and the other thing and to change the culture and to force people uh, to do it our way. It doesn't work that way. And this is what really makes, to me, this group stand out because there was a recognition of that. It had to happen organically. It had to come naturally. And how do you do that? Well, the last way you do it is by being all loud and talking about it and demanding it and doing it verbally. What did Josh Jacobs say on Saturday? Nah, man. You had to go out there and work every day. That becomes the example. That becomes the standard. That becomes what ultimately becomes us as leaders because we're going to prove it to them, to everybody else here, whoever gets to stay on this ride. And you think about it, go back to 2019. There's a lot of guys that are no longer on the roller coaster, the Raiders roller coaster. They fell off. They got kicked off. They got sent home. They got cut. They got traded. They got released. But for the ones that are going to stay – They're going to eventually know 
But this is how you do it. When we talked to Hunter Renfro, he's like, look, we know how it, we know what to do. We know what not to do. That's coming from a kid that was at Clemson for four years and saw firsthand what it took to win championships. I know it's college football. That's not the NFL. But again, the same principles that work at that level work at this level. It's commitment. It's hard work. It's sacrifice. It's being all for one and one for all. It's being a good person. It's being responsible. It's being dedicated in the building and away from the building. It's being where your feet are planted at all times. You're in the classroom, buckle down and get after it in the classroom. Listen up, take notes, be diligent, be dedicated, be committed. Don't fall asleep. Don't be disconnected. Don't just one ear out the other, because if you are, you're not going to be here very long. Now, back to 2019, they weren't ready to, like, declare that. You can't. There were veterans here that you have to defer to. That's just how that works. But naturally, organically, it evolves, and it changes over. Look at the roster now. John Gruden got here in 2018. How many players are left from 2018? Derek Carr? We've already talked. He's the face of the franchise. Aside from that, I wasn't here in 2018. But as I look at that roster, maybe Carl Joseph, and he was brought back. There's one player that's left over from 2018. Colton Miller as well. And he was a draft pick uh, by John Gruden, the franchise left tackle. Aside from that, it's the 2019 class, some free agents, the 2020 draft class, this year's draft class, who they brought in in free agency, a couple of trades, all that sort of thing. This team now completely is John Gruden and Mike Mayock's football team. This is their image. These are their players, hand-picked players. Even Carl Joseph was a guy that they brought back. But predominantly, the foundation and the group that is slowly but surely taking control of the heartbeat and soul of this team is that 2019 draft class. And you've got a bunch of winners, a bunch of guys who are more and more comfortable now with asserting themselves. I've been watching Max Crosby every day since we're allowed to be in the building, whether it's training camp or when we were allowed to be in OTAs. What have I been saying? A, unbelievable shape right now. And it's not like Max Crosby has ever been out of shape. We should all aspire to look like Max Crosby has looked from the day he showed up with the Raiders. We'd be all blessed to look like that, to be in that kind of shape. But there's Good shape, really good shape, and unfriggin' believable shape. Max Crosby is in unfriggin' believable shape right now, and it shows. And John Gruden 
I asked John Gruden when he was talking about the diligence and the commitment and getting in the weight room. I asked him about Max Crosby, and here's what he had to say. We'll get that uh, sound here to you in a, in a second. But essentially what he said was Max Crosby is a guy who lived in the building this offseason. Remember how I talked about I live not too far from the facility. And sometimes my um, excursions take me by, by the building. What do I see? What did I talk about? What did I saw? during the offseason. Cars. Plenty of cars. And yes, there's people who work here. It's a office building. It's a franchise, a professional franchise. People are here every single you know, weekday. But there's also an area where it's mo- you know, mostly player parking. Players were here throughout the offseason. It was obvious that they were taking advantage of coming into this beautiful building and getting their work in. And remember we talked about how, you know, being in Las Vegas, and now, listen, I'll, I, I, could, I, could, I could tell you my own story. I moved here in February of 2020 from California, basically a lifelong resident of California. I don't need to tell you how much more, how further the dollar stretches here in Las Vegas compared to California. Whatever it is that we were paying for in California, the great weather, the beach, um, lots of great things, lots of great things in California, all of which jacked up the price on everything, including living, living, places where you could live. That's why a whole bunch of people were there. What does that lead to? Traffic. But mostly, it's expensive to live there. Come here, get twice the house that I had in California for relatively the same cost, if not less. No state tax. Everything seems clean and new, and the proximity is close. It's just a pretty darn good life here. Now, the Raiders up in Oakland for all those years, love the Bay Area, love it. But if you wanted to live close to the facility, it was going to cost you a lot of money. It's just that's the way it is in the Bay Area. Same thing in Los Angeles. You know how many players on the Rams? You know, the, the, the guys that are making bank, like bank bank, can afford to live in the Los Angeles area year-round. But even a guy making $600,000 a year, a million a year, after taxes and all that, you do the math, they pretty much hightail it to Arizona or wherever it is that they live. I had friends on the Rams who lived in Iowa, Michigan, Florida, Texas, Alabama. They had to do it because they couldn't stick around year-round because it cost too darn much. Here in Las Vegas, it's anything but. Like you can make a, you can have a beautiful home here for a, a, a reasonable price. I know the prices are going up, but nevertheless, I, coming from California, I know. There's no state tax. You could live in a beautiful neighborhood right near the facility, 
plenty of guys live here now year round as opposed to up in the Bay Area. And guess what? A bunch of them said, what am I going to do? I'm going to go to work out for a couple hours every day that they had the ability to come in. That helps. We talked about it then. John Gruden talked about it today about how these guys now living here and taking advantage of this beautiful beautiful facility has led to a team that is obviously in tremendous shape. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor brought to you by Tequila and Bonsignor. Well, he's showing up in the base right now because he's showing up in the in the lineup. He hasn't won that spot yet. He's getting a good look. His speed and athleticism um, are what we think is conducive to that position, the auto position. So he's doing some good things. We, are, we aren't in enough base to really see him yet, but that will continue to uh, emerge as the next couple weeks unfold. That is Raiders head coach John Gruden talking about Tanner Muse. Uh, asked uh, John today about uh, the young thir- second-year linebacker uh, from Clemson who has, at the moment anyway, earned a spot at outside linebacker in base defense. Every single day that I've been out there, uh, when the first-team base defense takes the field in 11-on-11, there's number 55, uh, Tanner Muse. Um, lining up at outside linebacker and big step in the right direction uh, for Tanner. I know, uh, by the way, you're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor brought to you by Tequila and Bahadur. I know that, you know, a lot of fans last year, oh, what a wasted pick. Oh, what a bust. And I used to just scratch my head like, based on what? (laughs) The guy had a toe injury, a serious toe injury in training camp that required surgery. How are you calling that guy a bust? How long you've been a football fan (laughs) To just write somebody off that can't go because he's hurt. How is that a bust? You don't draft somebody for one year. You draft somebody, sign into a four-year contract. If it, He was never really expected to be like a starter last year. He was making the transition from safety to linebacker. They were hoping that he could uh, and, and truly expecting him to contribute greatly on special teams, and don't discount that. Special teams is a hugely important part of football. But he gets out there uh, to start training camp last year. I noticed it right away. I'm like, where's the speed? Where's the athletic ability for Tanner Muse? He looked slow. And at first I thought, well, you know, um, he is making a transition to, to, to linebacker. Maybe he's playing tentatively, but it sure looked a little bit more than that. And sure enough, he had a serious toe injury. It's something that went back to his college days at Clemson. But he was able to play through it at Clemson. The way he described it to me, the way it was described to him, was it was somewhere along the lines of of kind of a turf toe situation. So wrap it up, rest it up, uh, get through it. And that's what he was able to do at Clemson and felt like he had a pretty good handle on things. Went to the scouting combine last year, blew it up by last year. I mean, in uh, 2020, blew up athletically. And so it looked like he had a pretty decent handle on on the situation. Knew eventually that was probably something that was going to have to get fixed uh, through surgery. But, you know, uh, everything was kind of moving in the right direction. Gets a training camp here in Las Vegas. Remember... No off-season program, none of that going on. Um, you know, uh, first thing, uh, first time he showed up, along with all the other 2020 draft class, and everybody else for that matter, was when training camp started last August or late July. Um, and on the field, trying to, 
you know, uh, keep up and deal with world-class athletes because that's what you see in the NFL, putting all that pressure uh, on his feet and on his toes to pivot, you know, plant, all of that. He re-aggravated the injury and tried to play through it uh, here uh, his first year, uh, kind of, you know, uh, grit his teeth and, 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 and deal with it. But it became too much. Uh, they had to put him on IR. The hope was that at some point, rest, rehabilitation, uh, everything short of surgery in order to preserve uh, last year so that he had a chance to come back as a rookie. But it finally got to a point where nothing's working. Last resort, surgery. Um, and and so underwent the surgery. Last year was completely sabotaged. The focus at that point was getting ready for this year. And I can remember talking to some of his teammates once he was cleared physically to start, you know, earnest work. He was getting after it. As was so many other players uh, during the offseason, they were taking advantage, like we said, living year-round here in Las Vegas where it's very cost-effective, uh, it's, it's conducive uh, to spending your year, full year here rather than going home to wherever home is. Not to say that that didn't happen. Guys obviously took advantage to go see their friends and family, wherever it is that they come from, but predominantly, a lot of guys lived right here in the area. And all you had to do is come out here. Uh, to Henderson and start, you know, uh, snooping around a little bit around the facility. And there's plenty of great neighborhoods, beautiful neighborhoods, great schools, great parks, restaurants, all that, everything that you would want within arm's reach. And then, of course, you know, you've got the strip uh, 10, you know, 15, 12 miles away or so. Uh, you want to go to eat at a great restaurant and go to see a great show. Um, you know, it's it's right there for you, everything that you want, great you know, boxing events, UFC, all sorts of entertainment. Uh, it's right in your backyard. That's what I call uh, the strip is my backyard. But the key being this facility open year round now. And guys like Tanner Muse was finally able to take advantage of that, which he wasn't able to do in the spring of 2020 to get himself right. Got a lot of, you know, feedback from players like this dude, keep an eye on because He's putting the work in right now, and it's going to show up uh, on the field when we get to training camp, and it certainly has, and good for him. Um, you know, he seems to have locked down a little bit of a role. We'll see if he holds on to it. Things change when you get more pads, more physicality. Preseason games, how's he going to hold up? Is, he gonna, is it going to transfer uh, to the field for, for actual games? We'll see, but it looks like he knows what he's doing. It definitely looks like he's got the athletic ability to hang. And when you look at him at six foot two, 230 pounds, you know, as good as he moves with that, with that size, and it's, he's every bit that size, it, that size allows him to do what they're asking him to do, which is be an outside linebacker, edge setter in base defense. What does that mean? Typically, you're kind of figuring that, you know, in that base defense, you're probably going to be playing the run quite a bit. And here's a big, stout, six foot two, 230 pound linebacker that can run like a deer that also has a physicality um, and stoutness to be able to set that edge and deal with the run. So, um, you know, uh, a lot of respect for Tanner Muse for working his way back into the picture. By the way, Javin White um, has been playing, has been getting a lot of snaps uh, as well with the first and second team. And usually what they do is they split, they split the field. So, on one side of the field, you have your ones and twos, guys that are basically going to be in the rotation. 
And then on the other side of the field, you've got your threes and fours, guys that are kind of, you know, working their way uh, into more of a, uh, of a role of playing, playing time. Um, so if you're over on the field where Derek Carr is in the first team offense and the second team offense, and you're part of the equation as a first team or second team defense, generally speaking, you're probably going to earn some sort of a role in um, whether it's in Tanner's case, base defense, or uh, in Javin's case, it looks like there's some sub packages where he comes in. Uh, so uh, and 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 so that's your two young linebackers here with the Raiders. Remember we talked about for me, and it's still absolutely still a question mark uh, for me. In that, all right, behind Nick Kwiatkowski, behind Corey Littleton, behind Nick Morrow. The three starters who have extensive experience, where do you go um, if something goes wrong with one of your starters? Well, that's still a question mark at this point. But if Tanner Muse can show that, you know, this is what he's doing now, can transfer uh, onto the field, and if Javin White earns a role. And remember, last year, uh, Paul Gunther was talking about Javin White as one of the more impressive undrafted uh, free agents that 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 he's seen in a little while. Uh, it didn't translate for for Javin as a, as a rookie, um, but they liked what they saw then. They still like what they see now. He is still getting uh, run with the number ones and the number twos. So uh, don't be surprised if there's a role for him. And keep this in mind. I've been trying to remind people on Twitter. You know, everyone gets caught up in who's the starter. You know, uh, well. I'll say this about the Raiders. I'll say this about Gus Bradley. If you watch practice long enough, there's so many different uh, positional groups and combinations. Uh, he's very much a matchup type coach. And if you show him as a player that you can be an asset in a certain package or if there's a skill that they could take advantage of that's applicable uh, to that week's game plan or, or the game plan in general, you're going to get on the field. They're going to figure out a way uh, to utilize you. And for Gus, the more the merrier. Yes, you have your base defense. Yes, you have your core guys. And I think we're getting to, to understand who those, those core guys are. But in and around your core guys – it's never a bad thing to have a whole bunch of other guys that you can utilize in various matchups. And when you look at the teams that the Raiders play this year, they start out with big, powerful um, Baltimore Ravens, the Phil- or the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers a week later. That's another big, powerful AFC North type of a team that's going to try to beat you f- up physically. So you're going to have to have personnel that can deal with that. But then there's going to be weeks where it's more of a spread out kind of finesse type of a type of an offense where it's not so much, you know, the 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 pound it uh, at you. And so you have to be able to match up with that and guys that can show that they could do multiple things. Obviously, that's that's the goal. But there's going to be also guys that, hey, this is what their strength is. We'll be able to use them uh, in this type of matchup against that type of team or in you know 13 personnel, 12 personnel, whatever the case might be, um, we'll be able to use X player or, or Y player. And so right now for the Raiders, kind of figuring out who fits where and who fits best is what they're doing. But it sure looks like they've got some guys that they have a belief about that are going to be able to get the job done in certain ways and when, when called upon. 
Um, and again, the more the merrier. If if you can if you can get to a point where you can go pretty deep in your in your roster to preserve. Uh, to, to allow guys to get through games and be in better position at the end of games to have something left in the tank, let alone late in the season, uh, that's just a win-win. We're going to go out to the Raider Nation listener line. Madro is on the line. How you doing, Madro? Good, Vinny. You know, I know I said this, and it's probably a couple months ago, but I just kind of want to reemphasize that there actually is a problem with this roster, but it's the kind of problem the Raiders haven't had in over a decade. And it's that by the time it gets down to getting down to your final squad, they're finally going to have some really difficult decisions at many position groups of who to get rid of. This is the first time that it just seems like they've got, they've got quality and talent everywhere. And, uh, and they're all, from what I see, and unfortunately I'm not out of practice, but from what I see reported and what I see you know, on videos, is these guys are working their butts off, and they all want it. There doesn't seem to be any slack anywhere. So, you know, it's going to be interesting for the coaches to go, God, this guy's got so much upside, but this other guy, you know, it's going to be difficult for once. They've always been able to cut down to the league roster without a problem. This year, they've got a problem. Yeah, uh, excellent call, Madro, and uh, and I'm with you. And we're already already um, you know with my media colleagues kind of counting it up and trying to figure it out because it looks like it looks like they've got at least ten defensive linemen that I think are going to be able to give it a go this year and provide quality play, not just bodies, but um, but but and not just empty snaps, but. Important snaps and efficient snaps. That's the word I'm looking for is efficient. And, uh, you know, so, so where does that, what do you do? Where do you go to make the room for 10 defensive linemen, which I believe there's 10 capable defensive linemen on this roster. And when was the last time you ever heard that before? Um, it's been a long time. So do you keep three quarterbacks? Can you afford to keep three quarterbacks? How many wide receivers do you keep? How many running backs do you keep? Um, you know, obviously you got to keep your fullback, Alec Ingold. He's an important part of the offensive operation. Uh, do, you, do, you, do you keep that many cornerbacks? It's hard not to have uh, a surplus of, of cornerbacks because we know how that position uh, can go sometimes. We saw the injuries last year. Trayvon Mullen uh, has missed time, you know, uh, has to leave games after a, after a tough hit. Damon Arnett last year uh, a couple of times had to leave games with concussions. So uh, it doesn't take long for you to start getting to the bottom of your depth chart at cornerback, so you need sufficient players. But, man, that defensive line looks like it's pretty darn stout. It might not be one of those star-star-driven lines, although I think Unique Ngakwe, uh, as committed as he is right now, could be in line for a really spectacular year. So maybe he is the star of the defensive line. I think Max Crosby fits that bill as well. I want to see Max, uh, you know, in the run. I know that that's been something that he wants to work on and something that he wants to get better at. And Clee Farrell coming in in the rotation that he's coming in and sliding inside in certain matchups. There's just a lot to like about that defensive line. But where do you find the room to keep everybody? As Madro said, it's a problem. But it's one of the good problems. Uh, I guess you just got to make the right choice <laughs> in who you keep uh, and who you release. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador.
Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Well, he leads our team in effort. He does. He, he, you talk about a guy that's here in the offseason. I think he lived in the facility. You know, my car's here, his car's here. You know, I, I drive by the facility, his car's still here. You know, he gets uh, uh, Ricky, our, our food, food expert, our nutritionist, helps him with his diet. Uh, you know, he's, he's, he's incredible. He's in incredible shape. He can go all day. And I tried to wear him out today with a fourth quarter pass rush in the last drill. And, you know, he's, he's ready for the 15th round. He wants to keep fighting. I love him. I love the way he's working and guys look up to him. And in Gakwe, that's his whole, that's his whole, whole deal. He's, he's a highly conditioned freak. And I think Max uh, and, and Yannick want to be there for four quarters. That's Raiders head coach uh, John Gruden going on and on about Max Crosby after I asked him about how good Max Crosby looks, uh, not just on the field, going around about his business, which he's flying around the field, not just how he sounds. Uh, you can't not hear Max Crosby at practice for the Raiders. He's always talking. He's always enthusiastic with his teammates. Even when he's huffing and puffing after going through uh, one of his reps in terms of whether it's working the sled, working the tackling dummies uh, or blocking dummies, whether it's one-on-one against a tackle. uh, And they push these guys pretty darn hard. If you've seen some of the videos, you know what I'm talking about. It's not easy and it's taxing. And guys are usually huffing and puffing a little bit, um, you know, or trying to catch their breath after, um, you know, one of the more taxing kind of kind of uh, reps that they're doing or practice reps that they're doing. There's Max Crosby staying in tune and staying with it, watching his teammates and pushing them and imploring them and uh, giving them, you know, put, uh, just being a great teammate. And sometimes even giving some some tips and some pointers, but more than anything, you know, just urging them on. You know, like when if anyone's played football at any level or any sport, man, you hit the wall sometimes. I mean, it's it's, it's a lot, and it's blazing hot here in Las Vegas, and it's early in the morning. You got to get your motor started at seven thirty in the morning. I got to get up at five forty-five. All right, that's pretty early. And you're you got to be up and at them, and I got to go write about it, sitting there in the sun, and watching. Uh, it takes a little out of you just doing that. Put yourself in their shoes, waking up at five o'clock in the morning, getting a good breakfast in. I'm sure there's some meetings before they get out to practice. You got to get dressed. You got to get ready. You got to get taped up. You got to talk to the trainers. You got to be prepared mentally and physically. So that at 7.30 you hit the ground running, a.m. in the morning, and you have to be at the top of your game at the highest level possible. It's not the easiest thing to do. And there's Max Crosby and everybody else just flat out getting after it. It's pretty impressive. And you see Max Crosby doing his thing, but then also being there for the rest of his position group and, and teammates. I asked Max Crosby, uh, you know, first, second day of training camp because it, had, it was something that I had picked up on during OTAs and then it carried over to training camp, just his constant vocal, his constant leadership. 
and that's where I kind of got this idea of, you know, this 2019 draft class and undrafted free agent class is the engine of this team, flat out the engine of this team. Yes, this is Derek Carr's team, but he can't do it by himself. He's the quarterback. He's got tremendous amount of things on his plate. He can't be the only voice. And, you know, oftentimes he's so preoccupied in other areas, uh, you know, with his responsibilities that, you know, it's, it's, not always, it's not always best to have the quarterback be like the everything. You can't be the everything. You need a foundation, a strong foundation in that locker room among each position group on each side of the ball. Lieutenants, whatever you want to call it. But that 2019 class, Max Crosby included, decided amongst themselves, we're the, the, it stops here. The nonsense stops here. The losing culture stops here. We are the new foundation, and we're going to make sure that this thing gets turned around. And they haven't just talked it. They've done it. They haven't just spouted words. They've challenged each other. They've mandated it to each other. They've stayed on top of each other. What did we talk about earlier? Hey, man, I just finished my lift. I just finished, you know, uh, my conditioning. What would you do today? Oh, okay. I guess we'll see when we get to practice whether you're doing it or not. You know, and that's for the out-of-state guys. After a while... Now that so many guys are here in the Las Vegas area, there's like packs of Raiders working together at the facility. There's, you know, workout areas that they go to uh, as well. Getting out on, you know, local parks, throwing with Derek Carr uh, and, and pushing each other that way. But when you see Max Crosby, and again, you know, we talked about this earlier too, there's... You know, he's, in, he's always been in great shape. Look at the dude. Look at him. From the day he showed up, who wouldn't want to look like that for crying out loud? But there's really good shape, and then there's elite shape. He's taking the whole darn thing to another level. And you can see that I saw it. I was like, Man, you know, but then you got to ask questions. Like, you can't just presume that, like, all right, I'm going to write this. Hey, man, <laughs> you know, you're looking pretty good. Did you change things up? Are you, is this, am I, are my eyes deceiving me here? And certainly in Max Crosby's case, nothing with deceiving was going on. And it's because he put the work in. You know, I got to give another guy uh, some credit here. This is sort of off the beaten path, but Darius Phylon missed football for a couple of years. Uh, we all know there was an off field incident, kind of um, curtailed his career, took it off track for a little while, but he's back. You know, during the offseason, during OTAs, I remember watching him, and it was obvious that he wasn't where he needed to be physically. He looked a little heavy, is what I'm saying, right? And just kind of made a mental note of it because he just, it, it looked like, just so you know that I'm not just, oh, every guy's in good shape. Everybody looks great. No, that's not always the case. And in Darius's case, he looked a little heavy uh, in OTAs. And... You could see it. You could see the huffing and puffing. You could see, you know, sometimes a little struggle getting through things. And I made a mental note of it just in order to cross-reference it 
when OT, when training camp started. When training camp started, I'm like, oh, yeah. He put a lot of work in <laughs> uh, since then, <laughs> in, the, in the 40 or so days between OTAs and, and training camp. Darius Phylon looked pretty darn good. So give him a lot of credit because obviously, and I know that John Gruden talked about this the other day, I think he's down to 292 or so, hasn't been that weight in a long time. He accepted the challenge. And I think Darius Phylon, a guy like, hey, man, obviously, if I'm Darius Phylon, I'm thinking I don't have many chances left. You know, I had played myself into a good situation in Arizona. Some stuff happened off the field. Took my career off track. I've missed two seasons. I'm never going to be able to make that up. I've got another chance here with the Raiders playing for a coach in Gus Bradley that I know, that knows me and understands what I bring, what the value I bring. But if it doesn't work here, that's pretty much going to be it for his career. So it's, it's go time for Darius Phylon. And to see where he was physically in OTAs to where he looks now, a lot of credit to Darius Phylon for accepting that challenge. You know, that isn't always the case. David Irving. Remember David Irving? A guy that had missed all this time, suspension, couldn't, you know, uh, stay on the right side of the rules. Not going to get into what the rules are, but the rules are the rules. Whatever it is, whatever industry you work in, whatever your job requires you to do, if that job is worth it to you, you do it, right? He didn't. And he was shown the door. Darius Phylon, given another shot, given another chance, it seems to be doing everything he can to make sure that he holds on to that, uh, hold on to, uh, hold on, holds on to that chance, or makes the most of that chance. But a lot of credit to this 2019 group. I wrote about it uh, in the Las Vegas Review Journal. How this is becoming their team. It's a bunch of winners from winning programs that know what it takes to win, that are sick and tired of losing. And, you know, have they won as much as they wanted to? No. But they improved from 4-12 and 12 to 7-9, and nine, from 7-9 and nine to 8-8. Eight and eight. And talking to some guys the last couple of, ga- couple of days, they feel they're really close to closing the gap entirely. You're in the huddle with Vinny Monster, brought to you by Tequila and Bahadur. <laughs> 